is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to congratulate... Once again, the Praetorian Guard media, for its conduct on this march in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere. You know, I remember when the Tea Party activists would march, would rally, would protest. And I remember when they were either ignored or trashed by the media. We didn't hear, isn't it great, the public spiritedness of these, these average citizens getting together? protesting the size of government, protesting tax increases. I heard one commentator on cable TV said, notice people don't gather like this for a balanced budget, but they did gather like this to control the size of government, taxes, spending, and all the rest of it. And they actually had a political impact throughout Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats in the House and eventually throughout the Democrats in the Senate And did so all over the country, changing state legislatures, changing governorships. It was constantly played down, or as I said, attacked. The people were smeared. Yet the media did a great job this week in doing what the media do, propaganda. And they're teaching certain young people how to be grand demagogues. You know, demagoguery comes in all ages and sizes. It just does. Some of the things that were said at the podium were vile. Some of the signs were vile. Marco Rubio was targeted in particular because he's Catholic. He was accused of supporting killing kids. They're targeting Rubio because he's from Florida and they think they can take him out. Really grotesque. This fellow Hogg, uh, David Hogg, he's turned into quite the pint-sized demagogue. After this, we're going to move on to voting, he says. Well, he can move on to whatever he wants. And throughout this entire process, ladies and gentlemen, throughout this entire process, of course, the problem is it had nothing to do with gun control. It had everything to do with the failure of government at the federal and local level. They had in place systems that could have easily been used to stop the mass murder. The FBI was contacted twice. Local law enforcement was quite familiar with the mass murder. They even have a statute in Florida called the Baker Act that could have been used, and somebody even suggested it should be. They failed. Even the resource officer failed. Now, that so-called march and protest in Washington, D.C. had all the usual invisible hands, but they weren't so invisible. There wasn't the half a million people they said would gather. There was half that many or even less. Still a big crowd. I'm not stating otherwise, but I do wonder how all these children got to Washington, D.C. How did all these children get to Washington, D.C.? You're not allowed to ask. Millions and millions of dollars were put up by left-wing groups. Democrat groups. Democrat politicians were involved. 
And yet we're told this was spontaneous. There's nothing spontaneous about it. This is part of the gun control movement. It's part of the Democrat Party. It's part of the left-wing agenda. It almost has nothing to do with what took place on Valentine's Day and the slaughter of those beautiful 17 people. Contrary voices weren't permitted to speak. People who could get up there and actually speak with facts and intelligence, who understand weapons, but also who understand what law enforcement was supposed to do, the FBI and the Broward County Sheriff's Office. They failed miserably. And also what can be done in the future to help protect our children in the classrooms. Washington does not have the answers. The answers are local. And the answers are protect the schools and protect the schools and protect the schools. Again, the way we protect our airports, the way we have marshals on planes to protect our planes, the way we protect sporting facilities and on and on and on. The way the protesters were protected, the way Capitol Hill is protected. But there's something about actually protecting schools that is said to be off limits, like protecting the country and securing the border with a wall. For some reason, that's said to be off limits. It's because the agenda of the progressive left will be harmed if actual workable solutions are put in place that solve problems in the first place. That's why. So you know what? I'm not going to be your average talk show host on TV or radio or whatever. That march was a joke. That's right. It was a joke. It was pathetic. Demagogues left and right, propaganda left and right, anti-Catholic signs left and right. Get out the vote for the Democrats left and right, funded by leftists and Democrats left and right. Who's fooling whom around here with this PC crap? Meanwhile, more kids are going to be murdered. More kids are going to be killed because of this massive distraction of the left, of the Democrat Party, and the media. Massive distraction. You have a slaughter in a school in Florida a little over a month ago. And here they are, the typical leftists. But this time they're using children, really small children, to advance their agenda. Really, really small children to advance their agenda. Which is sickening. They do this all the time. You know, when I wrote the book Plunder and Deceit, I gave chapter and verse of how the big spenders, and by the way, that includes the Republicans. They're the biggest of the spenders. But how the big spenders are destroying future generations. You didn't hear a single speaker talk about that. Not one. Now, let me tell you part of the problem here. We live in a relatively free society. Particularly if you're on the left, you can say pretty much whatever you want to say. Not if you're a conservative. But what I was thinking, all those people there at this so-called rally, including the young people, wanting to control guns. In other words, wanting to unilaterally disarm. So the only people who have weapons, powerful weapons, are the people who have the potential to impose a police state. That is because none of these people have ever experienced a police state. None of them. None of these people can even imagine a police state when you're 13 years old or 8 years old or 17 years old. Groupthink is the way to go. Marching in place is the way to go. But they've never experienced outright aggressive tyranny. But other people have. 
all over the world. And the reason we have a Second Amendment, whether people want to believe it or not, it's not me preaching, it's a historical fact, is because the people who revolted against England and then later had to fight France, the people who revolted against tyranny for liberty, they wanted to enshrine within their Constitution, in the Bill of Rights, the right to bear arms in order to ensure their liberty should government get out of control and too powerful, as it always has. That's why there's a Second Amendment. Now, the left worships government, big government, centralized government, all-powerful government. They make no excuses for it. That's what they are. They're about government. They're not about liberty. They're not about the civil society. They're not about the country. It's party first because party gets power. And party is the way to control the government. The government, the federal government and the Democrat Party, in many respects, they're one and the same. This is what Trump is up against, although he foolishly signed this bill, which further empowers the government and the Democrats and the progressive Republicans. But my point is, the Democrat Party operates through central government. This is where they get their power. And so, of course, of course, the Bill of Rights is a problem. The Bill of Rights is a problem. Just remember, Chuck Schumer, the Democrats, proposed an amendment to curtail the First Amendment and free speech. Yes, that's what they did. They don't believe in the Ninth Amendment. They can't even tell you what it says. They only believe in the Tenth Amendment when it undermines specific language in the Constitution that actually empowers the federal government. Respecting, in this case, immigration. It's the ends justifies the means. That's the name of the Democrat Party. And what you saw on display was an absolute abuse of our youth in this country. And really, it is shameful. Shameful what took place five, six weeks after that Valentine's Day massacre in Florida. We still don't know who in the FBI was responsible for anything. And yet, nobody seems to be interested Congress isn't holding hearings. The FBI, you know, belongs to the federal government. Congress doesn't want to know who dropped the ball. We don't know the names of the individuals in Broward County, other than a sheriff, but we don't know any of his, his reports. Who dropped the ball? Who are they? No, it's just easier, you see, to march against the Second Amendment. And the National Rifle Association is compared to a terrorist organization. I said this last week. Maybe I said it three weeks ago. Planned Parenthood has killed untold numbers of babies. The NRA hasn't killed anybody. I've made this point before. And when you call the NRA a terrorist organization, you're calling its over 5 million law-abiding members terrorists. Terrorists. What a disgusting display. Over the weekend, a disgusting display, a combination of propaganda, demagoguery, raw politics, power politics, and a pathetic, pathetic bastardized media. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
because people gather, just because people march, doesn't mean they're right. People gather and march all the time. Just because they gather and march doesn't mean they're right. Many groups gather and march and they're not right. What does this have to do with the right kind of policies? What does this have to do with using rationality in response to a a horrific attack? It has nothing to do with it. You know what gun control is? It's a theory. It's a theory. And the theory is, if you have no guns, you have no killings. That's the theory. Ever hear of Genghis Khan? Mr. Producer, you've heard of Genghis Khan? Genghis, yes, as John Kerry would say. Yet most people don't know anything about Genghis Khan. They know almost nothing about Genghis Khan. You know why he's remembered, ladies and gentlemen? Because no man on earth No man on earth has ever before or ever since slaughtered such a significant percentage of the human race as Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan reportedly (laughs) killed 40 million people when there were only 400 million people in the face of the earth. He conquered more land than any conqueror in human history. More land than any conqueror in human history. And they didn't even have AR-15s. They didn't have AK-47s. They didn't have rifles. Semi-automatic, automatic, none. They didn't have pistols. They didn't have, (coughs) excuse me. You know, they didn't have 30 rounds, 15 rounds, 10 rounds, none of it. And as I said, he conquered more territory than the Romans ever conquered, than Alexander the Great ever conquered. They didn't have guns either, by the way. When you argue that removing guns, all guns, some guns, rifles, pistols, semi-automatic, whatever they are, when you remove them from society, there will be less killing There's no evidence for that whatsoever. None. As a matter of fact, when you go into our larger metropolitan areas, where most of the killing in this country occurs, they all have some sort of significant limits on gun purchasing or the types of guns. And yet that's where most of the murder occurs in this country. It's really a preposterous notion. The vast majority of people in America are law-abiding citizens. If the vast majority of people in America weren't law-abiding citizens, we wouldn't be able to drive our cars on the streets. We wouldn't be able to collect taxes. We wouldn't be able to do all the things that a law-abiding civil society does. So it's a rather small fraction of a percentage of the population that is evil. 
or at least is evil and is prepared to exercise evil thoughts and turn them into acts. They are the problem, not the American people. So any so-called solution that applies across the board to all Americans isn't a solution at all. It isn't a solution at all. Look at the Austin bomber. He never used a gun. Tim McVeigh, he never used a gun. And yet guns are used every day in this country by millions and millions of Americans. And they're never even aimed at fellow human beings. Never. So this idea of gun control, to the extent the left talks about it, is a theory. It is a false theory. It is an abstraction, which means it's not a tangible reality. And they use this theory and they use this abstraction and then claim, if we'll only adopt their theory and their abstraction, that somehow will keep people safe, particularly kids in schools. It's absolutely moronic. I'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. There's so much to get to tonight. But let me just continue with this. Let Let me try it this way. If you... If you were an evil person and guns didn't exist in the world, guns never existed in the world, and you wanted to kill a whole bunch of school children in their schools, would you be able to come up with a host of ways to kill them? Of course you would. You can use bombs of various kinds, including with fertilizer. You could drive into a whole bunch of kids. I'm not going to put all the ideas out there. You can burn a school down. You, you understand. So there are a host of ways to kill people and to kill a lot of them, especially if they're little kids and they're not protected. So if, if there wasn't a single gun in the, on the, in the entire planet, not a single gun, would an evil person have ways to kill a whole lot of people, particularly school kids. Absolutely. And it would be that list of evil ways that that evil person would choose from. This is why you need to do the best you can to protect people where they work, where they go to school, and if you're like me, where you live with your own weapons. So this is not a solution, and in truth, it's not even intended to be a solution. Like everything else the progressives propose, it's intended to empower government against the individual. You're not going to save school children with any of these federal laws, period. You're not, let me try it again, you're not going to save school children with any of these federal laws, period. Local school districts can save school children by protecting them. And yet, many of them refuse 
to do what's necessary. They apparently believe that security at airports is more important than security in schools. That security at malls is more important than security at schools. That security at sporting events is more important than security at schools. That security at the Capitol is more important than security at schools. You can go on and on and on with this. Is there any suggestion whatsoever? Let me underscore a point I made earlier, a few months ago. That if we pass gun control laws, that the United States Capitol Police, that their police force will be reduced, that the barriers that they've put in place since 9-11 will be removed, (coughs) excuse me, that the metal detectors will be removed? Of course not, because it's stupid. It's ridiculous. Well, well, then why do we believe that whatever they pass on Capitol Hill will protect our kids in school when they don't believe it? When they don't believe it at all? Nobody believes it. Campus reform, you may have heard this, but it's people who come and go in our media and People who are coming home from work may not have heard this. With Cabot Phillips at the March for Our Lives in Washington Saturday, what's an assault rifle? And others did this too. Charlie Kirk, who's terrific. But let's check this out from Campus Reform. Cut five, go. Do you know what an assault weapon is? Yeah, it's um assault weapon. It's like, um, I, I kind of do, but kind of don't. Okay. Like... Um, it's just, well, what is an assault weapon? (laughs) Uh, can any of you tell me what an assault weapon is? Um, like, I, no, I guess, um, but assault weapons, like, does that sound safe to you? Do you guys know what an assault weapon is? Um, yeah, honestly, if you're asking me, any gun that isn't a pistol should be banned. The same amount of people die by assault weapons as do car crashes in a given year. Um, as what? Do car crashes. It's a similar number. Okay. Um, it's, it's not actually, but... Or isn't it similar? No, it's not. So assault weapons count for about 3% of, of gun deaths, um, but, and but car crashes are about the leading cause. Okay. I thought that was... But a lot of people die by gun deaths. Do you guys know what an assault weapon is, though? I mean, I'm... A, a phrase that comes to mind is like military-style weapon. What an assault weapon is... Yeah, it's like, it's a, an arm that, like a gun, for instance, that you can buy at a shop pretty easily that is, like, can can cause more deaths than, like, one, I guess. I consider, I consider any, I don't, I'm not even against just assault weapons. I'm pretty much against most guns. I think that the Second Amendment at this time is outdated. I think that the wording needs to be revisited. I think it's something that was done for a different time. I think the Constitution in and of itself is something that's outdated. Times have changed, and I don't necessarily agree with the Second Amendment to begin with. I don't think it applies. Really? Yeah, times have changed, and she doesn't believe in the Constitution as well. And yet, this young lady would not have the freedom of association the freedom of speech, but for the First Amendment that enshrines it and protects her and all the other knuckleheads that she's marching with. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what's happening because in our public school system, it is the rare teacher and the rare classroom 
where Americanism is taught, and this is the rare country in which its own demise is taught as a matter of routine in its own classrooms. It is astonishing to watch this and to listen to this. Astonishing. And yet these kids don't come up with this on their own, most of them. This is what they're told. This is what they're taught. Go ahead. I don't think it leads to anything good or productive or peaceful. You should be able to protect yourself, but I don't... Not with a rifle. But not with, like, a rifle. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's no such thing as an inanimate object being an assault weapon. An assault is something that takes place, or it doesn't take place. So I have a hammer, let's say, that's not an assault weapon. If I hit somebody in the back of the head, it's an assault weapon. If I have an AR-15 in my gun case or in my safe, that's not an assault weapon. If I use it to assault somebody, then it's an assault weapon. Your automobile is not an assault weapon. If you use it to run somebody down, then it's an assault weapon. Again, rationality, logic, and reality coming together. But none of this was discussed, and none of this was able to be discussed at the, uh, at the march, at the left-wing march that took place on Saturday. None of it. Matter of fact, Saturday morning, I was getting a couple of bagels, and there were three young, young girls in the bagel place outside of Washington, D.C. What did you think I was going to get, a ham sandwich? But anyway, so um, they were talking almost like valley girls. Does everybody remember what valley girls sound like? Yeah, really? You know, that sort of thing. And they were very excited. And they had drawn up their signs. And I knew where they were going. And I knew they didn't have the foggiest idea about why we have a Second Amendment, what these weapons are, uh, and so forth and so on. This was groupthink. And this was, uh, this was just sort of a mob mentality pushed by an a, uh, in, in, insidious left, funded by an insidious left. You know, the only spontaneous protests that I know of in my lifetime, and again, I'll repeat this, uh, involved the Tea Party. The Tea Party. People coming out of their communities, they'd had enough. This is not that. Bloomberg funding, o- uh, Oprah funding, Clooney funding, left-wing groups, Democrat Party, so forth and so on. And by the way, they were also registering people to vote. Of course, they were pressing them to vote, I'm sure, to register as Democrats. And the spectacle, again, are the media that have no respect for the Bill of Rights unless we're protecting mass murders, terrorists, uh, illegal aliens. Not that they're all the same. That's not my point. Uh, and unless we're driving their agenda. So the Second Amendment is about liberty just as much as the First Amendment and all the rest. And if a country becomes powerful, if a country becomes totalitarian, oh, Mark, that never happens. Boy, oh, boy, I'll tell you what. I mean, it was less than 100 years ago. 
Several countries became totalitarian. Several. And a lot of people paid the ultimate price for it. But I'm sure we don't teach that in our classrooms either. Certainly not enough. David Hogg, this is the the young demagogue about uh, Rubio, who he just... He just trashed. I expect this guy to run as a liberal Democrat one day for public office. Cut six, go. If you're trying to get everybody together, if you're trying to have solutions, do you think it is helpful when you say things like um, Marco Rubio is putting, you know, for a dollar and five cents or whatever your coupon said, that's how much he values students? I mean, do you think that's unnecessarily provocative? No, I think it's not enough. I don't think it's even provocative enough because Marco Rubio is still supported by the NRA, which works to ensure... Hey, pal. Hey, pal. You're on the public stage. I am the NRA. And there's five and a half million of us. Which means there were 200,000 of you in Washington, D.C. There are 25 times more of us than you you in Washington, D.C., and you're very young, and unfortunately, you've been indoctrinated and propagandized too. You have no comprehension whatsoever of liberty, of the Bill of Rights, and sadly enough, of what took place in your own school. None. No comprehension of it whatsoever. He doesn't mention what the FBI failed to do. He doesn't mention what local law enforcement failed to do. He doesn't mention that his school district failed to... Protect the kids in that school? None of it. And so the media will continue to use him as they use others. The way they promoted Code Pink, because they attacked George Bush. The way they're promoting this uh, porn star, although I don't know if she's a star. Maybe she's a backbencher for all I know. And this kid. The way they promoted this Michael Wolf and his phoniness, they knew about his phoniness, they didn't care. The way they promoted that professor from Yale going on and on about Trump and his, his deranged mental state, they knew she was unethical in what she was saying. They didn't care. They used it. The dossier, they used it. Collusion, they used it. This poor kid's being used, but he seems to like it. They've turned this kid into a demagogue, unfortunately. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. to tell you about a little-known part of our tax code that's benefiting millions of Americans just like you. This is important. Retirement investment experts know it is 408M3, and it could help protect your IRA or 401k from the devaluation of the dollar, our dollar, and potentially increase your long-term profits and minimize your capital gains tax. Now is the time to look at this because tax season is here. Retirement investment experts know it as 408M3. Now, this section of the tax code allows you to take control of your retirement account and invest in physical precious metals like gold and silver. You can even transfer funds between existing retirement accounts without penalty, and the process is really easy. And the folks at PM Capital, they can tell you more about it. Call them right now. Learn how this little-known part of our tax code, 
408M3 may help you protect and grow your retirement account. Give them a buzz. They are available right now. 877-382-2503. That's 877-382-2503. 877-382-2503. Or visit marklevingold.com. That's Mark gold.com. Now, Al Sharpton on MSLSD yesterday. That just shows you what standards MSLSD have. Cut eight, go. The National Rifle Association's response to the march was that these youngsters are being duped. They are using their First Amendment right to eliminate the Second Amendment. No, they're not. The Second Amendment doesn't give you... Now, hold on now. I don't know about you, but when I seek constitutional expertise and interpretation, I always go to Al Sharpton. Go ahead. To bear... AR-15s or assault weapons, they didn't even exist then. Really? And neither did MSNBC when we got the First Amendment. So maybe we'll make a trade here. We can get rid of MSNBC, then we'll get rid of the AR-15s. Because it didn't exist then. You see, Al Sharpton is a moron, but he's repeating comments that morons make all the time. So you look at a modern society with new inventions, new products, new technologies... And they say, well, they didn't even exist when we had a constitution. These are rights, ladies and gentlemen. They're not rights about products. They're unalienable rights. It's not a matter of whether or not the AR-15 existed when our constitution was adopted. It exists today. It's not a matter of whether we had network TV or TV at all when the constitution was adopted. They exist today. Free speech is free speech. So this argument that the Constitution is old and decrepit and we have this wonderful modern society is the progressive argument, and yet it's the same Constitution that protects this slob and many slobs like him on the left who don't have any comprehension of what they're talking about. Now we have Mark Warner. The people of Virginia, I'm afraid, will never understand what a complete classic buffoon this guy is. Cut nine, go. In terms of what can be done, you were one of 16 Democrats who voted against an assault weapons ban in 2013. Then in 2014, you voted against a cap on high-capacity magazines. They're asking now to restrict those things. Have you changed your position? I think it's time to change our positions and re-examine. So stop. So, so now, after a lifetime, he's not four years old, after a lifetime, apparently of supporting the Second Amendment, or at least... You know, much of it. He's changed his mind in three or four years. In three or four years, because this guy is a chameleon. Go ahead. Always been in favor of universal background checks, uh, particularly after Sandy Hook. But I think it's time for us to have a legitimate debate about restrictions on gun magazines and assault weapons. You get well, let's into- stop. It's not a debate that they want, ladies and gentlemen. It's a filibuster. And it's not even a filibuster they want. It is to impose their abstractions and theories on you and me and to undercut the Second Amendment. They don't want to debate. They want you to sit there and listen to their propaganda. That's it. This man has suddenly changed his mind. Mark Warner. Absolutely pathetic. 
but most of them are. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way... Democrat Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut and Democrat Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Florida have both introduced a bill known as the Ammunition Background Check Act of 2018, arguing it helped close a loophole in the current law. That ammunition sales should be subject to the same legal requirements as firearm sales, and that includes instant background checks, and on it goes. There'll never be an end to it. Because that's the nature of tyranny, and that's the nature of tyrants. And before I get on to the uh, other major issue I want to hit this hour, uh, there's a rumor up on the Drudge Report that Paul Ryan, now I don't know this to be true, I said it's a rumor, that Paul Ryan, according to a uh, Nevada publication, the Reno Gazette Journal, may resign as U.S. House Speaker. And they're quoting... uh, Nevada's second U.S. House District Representative Mark Amati, Republican Carson City, said on Nevada Newsmakers Monday that Representative Paul Ryan may soon resign as Speaker of the House. He said he was repeating a rumor that's around Capitol Hill. The rumor mill is that Ryan is getting ready to resign in the next 30, 60 days and that Scalise will be the new Speaker. Well, he should. In fact, I suggested this how long ago, Mr. Producer? Last Thursday, in fact, I remember what I said. Here it is. Let me make a prediction to you, not because I'm in the prediction business, because I believe this. I think Paul Ryan will retire soon, if not after this term, after the next one. This is so reckless, so reckless. I just can't believe that anybody claims to be a conservative who worked at a conservative think tank before he was elected to the House of Representatives really believes that this will uh, strengthen his career in the spending bill. That was the spending bill, of course, that I was talking about. There you have it. I want to I hit a topic here because it's been going on, and there's so many things going on that it may not be getting the attention it deserves, and that's John Bolton. Now, I've known John Bolton maybe more than 30 years. And John Bolton and I worked together at the United States Department of Justice. He was an assistant secretary for legislative affairs, and then he was an assistant, excuse me, assistant attorney general, and then he was an assistant attorney general for the civil division. And he would move on from there into the foreign policy world. Uh, John was also one of the brains behind the Buckley versus Vallejo decision in the Supreme Court, one of the lawyers advocating for free speech. Now, at first, he was dismissed as a talking head on Fox by a talking head on CNN uh, who has a sponge between his ears. That would be Brian Stelter, Towson State's great uh, Hall of Famer. But now the suggestion is out there that John Bolton has been colluding with the Russians. And therefore, he couldn't pass a background check. 
And as a consequence of that, he shouldn't be national security director or advisor. You see how sick the left is? And among the sickest of the sick is this guy, Tim Kaine of Virginia. Absolute fool. Let's give you a little background. So now the Democrats, their position is he wants war with Russia, but he sold out to Russia. They can't get their argument straight. It was like with Comey. He needs to go. He undermined Hillary. Then Trump fires him. Trump needs to go. He undermined Comey. So is John Bolton a warmonger who wants war with Russia? Or is he Alger Hiss? Of course, he's neither. But it doesn't matter. It's the Democrats and the Praetorian Guard media. Now, Let's first talk about the NRA, because this is the background, and Russia. And uh, Kimberly Strassel has a, has a very good take on this, and the Media Research Center picked up on a Tom Blummer. Finally, somebody is crying foul over an evidence-free take-news effort pushed by the same people who promoted the Steele dossier for over a year. This time, well, it's the media, the left. They're arguing the NRA and President Trump's 2016 victorious presidential campaign that the NRA help Trump win the campaign by colluding with the Russians. Now, Kim Strassel in her Wall Street Journal piece last week, she says this January, the House Intelligence Committee released its transcript of Mr. Glenn Simpson's November testimony. This is the guy who founded Fusion GPS which he regaled incredulous committee Republicans with a wild new tale of how the Russians had infiltrated the National Rifle Association. Fusion GPS had spent a lot of time investigating, he said, a mafia leader named Torshkin, Alexander Torshin, and a suspicious and big Trump fan, Maria Butina. Mr. Simpson provided zero detail to back up his claim, no names, dates, Money transfers are specific actions. But never mind. The day Mr. Simpson's conspiracy-laden transcript was due to go public, McClatchy News ran this headline. FBI investigating whether Russian money went to the NRA to help Trump. Now, the story cited only two unnamed sources familiar with the matter, quote-unquote. The article admitted, quote, it could not be learned whether the FBI had any evidence involving the NRA. This is the media. But it nonetheless went on at length about the group. A flurry of articles from other news organizations followed, all based on nothing, nothing, but Simpson's infiltration claim. The NRA flatly denied the accusation. It also reported it had no contact with the FBI. House Intelligence Committee Democrats nonetheless last week issued document demanding they get to continue investigating, quote, the NRA's relationship with the Russian torsion in Ms. Butina, as well as Washington lawyer Cleta Mitchell, who hasn't done any legal work for the NRA in a decade. I know Cleta Mitchell. She is a wonderful patriot. But look how they sleaze people up. A few days later, the same two McClatchy reporters again cited two anonymous sources claiming Congress was investigating Cleta Mitchell's worries. Ms. Mitchell tells me she told McClatchy before publication this was all false. Ms. Mitchell calls it the quintessential definition of fake news. Didn't matter. 
number of news outlets ran with it. A whole bunch of them. Looking here. Okay. This sets the stage. What's this have to do with John Bolton? Over at Hot Air, they have a very good take on this. Senator Tim Kaine was on CNN's State of the Union. And this is two days ago. Actually, one day ago, yesterday. And the subject of John Bolton's appointment as National Security Advisor came up. The senator was asked, that is Tim Kaine, about recent questions he'd raised as to whether or not Bolton would be able to qualify for the security clearance required for the post. After a brief attempt at dredging up his 2005 confirmation hearings as U.N. ambassador, Kane presented his reasons for raising the question. All he had to offer was a reference to, quote, a speech in Russia in 2013 at the request of, quote, a Russian oligarch. That's pretty much it. It doesn't require a lot of digging to see where this came from while it popped up at a few liberal sites almost simultaneously. The theme appears to have arisen at the Daily Kos, which is a crackpot radical left website. The theories offered there don't present much more evidence than when Cain was able, than what he was able to muster. What it is is a short video that the NRA asked Bolton to record in which he is promoting gun rights, including for Russian citizens. That's it. Gun rights, including for Russian citizens. You know, uh, this is perfectly consistent with the notion of unalienable rights that you read about in our Declaration of Independence. Unalienable rights are human, God-given rights. I should restate that. God-given rights to human beings. And it knows no borders. God is God. Unalienable is unalienable. And that's the long and short of it. And that's about his four or five minute video. So they say uh, this video that John Bolton has been conspiring with the Russians. Conspiring with the Russians, John Bolton? Wait a minute. I thought he wanted war with the Russians. I thought the Russians were disgusted or concerned or worried about the fact that John Bolton was going to be the national security director. Ambassador Bolton, he said he was asked by former NRA president David Keene to record a video for presentation to the upper house of the Russian parliament, the Federation Council. The ambassadors never heard of the right to bear arms organization until recent news coverage of the group. That's it. So promoting gun rights for private citizens. Now, is that colluding with the Kremlin? Is that colluding with the Kremlin? Everyone knows Bolton is not colluding with the Kremlin. So they dredge this stuff up, and they put it out there, and you're supposed to be shocked by this. The man has held numerous positions, presidential appointed positions, in the Reagan administration, in Bush 41 administration, in Bush 43 administration. He's been all over the media. But did you know that he's been colluding all this time with the Russians? Now, the sick part of this is, ladies and gentlemen, the Russians, excuse me, 
The left has always been colluding with the Russians, if not outright with Alger Hiss, with Ted Kennedy. Then in the way they have eviscerated the United States military, the way they eviscerate our border security. And how dare they accuse any of us, let alone a patriot like John Bolton, of collusion. John Bolton couldn't pass a background check. Let me tell you something. If John Brennan, who voted for a communist, Gus Hall, can pass a background check to be CIA director, and if Barack Obama would have faced a background check with his, his collusion with Jeremiah Wright, his collusion with Bill Ayers, his collusion with Khalidi and so many more on the far left, radical, some of them violent, side of the aisle. The suggestion by Tim Kaine that John Bolton couldn't pass a background check is pathetic. Bolton's a dangerous man, they say. Why? Because he really does believe in America first. He really does believe in a strong national security. And so they trash him. Then I read another article that the Secretary of Defense, Mattis, he doesn't know if he can work with John Bolton. Well, then he should resign. No offense, there's a lot of four three-star generals out there. I like Jack Keane. I think he'd be a great Secretary of Defense. He was a four-star general, if I recall. Mattis doesn't run this country. Mattis was encouraging the president to sign this awful, awful spending bill because he says we need our money in the military. Well, we would have gotten the money for the military. First of all, the military wouldn't have been slashed under Trump because it's considered essential and the government shutdown it continues to get funded. Secondly, who thinks a government shutdown would have weakened Trump's position vis-a-vis the military? It never weakened Reagan's position vis-a-vis the military. He got his XM missiles, uh, MX missiles. He got his Pershing twos. He's got his defense spending through. And he never even had a Republican House. Never. Mattis is no expert on the legislative process or the debt or domestic spending, which is choking our children and our grandchildren, which is so damn immoral. He doesn't know if he can get along with John Bolton, then he should resign. We'll get another general. We don't need him. In the least. And so this, this is what the left does. They use these Alinsky tactics. You want to know the truth? It's more than Alinsky tactics. These are Stalin-esque tactics. That's what they are. Alinsky learned it from Stalin. They absolutely destroy or attempt to the character and the history of an individual in order to try and defeat them and make them public enemy. And they were all over the media with the Praetorian Guard media repeating their smears and their spin and their lies because they don't believe that America should be the number one military power on the face of the earth. They don't believe that we should be able to secure ourselves. They don't believe in borders. They believe we're one of many countries, no better, no worse than anybody else. So we'll keep an eye on this. Because Bolton is one of the best decisions this president has made in a week where he made a a monumentally bad decision on this budget. By the way, did you get to see uh, my interview with Mike Lee on the Fox News channel yesterday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Life, Liberty, and Levin? I really hope you did. 
He was absolutely superb. And what I'm doing in this program is letting these people speak. And they speak in ways you've never heard them speak before. Because unlike people who interrupt them, number one, they can complete their sentences and complete their thoughts. But number two, they have very, very interesting things to say. So I hope you were able to watch it yesterday, and I hope you'll watch our next show next Sunday, Easter Sunday. Our special guest next Sunday is Attorney General, former Attorney General Ed Meese, confidant, counselor to Ronald Reagan through most of his political career, really all of it. I'll be right back. Jake in San Francisco, the great KSFO. Go. Hi, good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Yes. Good. How are you? I am doing very well today. I'm just calling to say that I am so proud of all those kids who went down to Washington, D.C. over the weekend. I think that they are all very bright, and they all have a lot of intelligent things to say, and I'm very comforted. I find it very comforting that they are the really? future. And so you know them all. You know they're all intelligent. Absolutely, Mark. Well, you don't and know I, them all. And I find it very despicable. I don't care what you find despicable. You have all these kids, and they're not just kids. There are an awful lot of adults there protesting against the Bill of Rights, against the Constitution, many of whom didn't know what was going on. They don't even know how to describe what they're talking about. And you're proud of them because you agree with them. Well, a lot of them are saying that the Constitution is outdated and the world yeah, is I know. today, and I agree with that. You really do, do you? Well, then I'm hanging up on you. Hang up on the guy. See, I don't have to believe in the First Amendment anymore. Not that it applies to private activity, as I've explained over the years. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, what I just did to him, I can do. Let's say I'm the government. I just hung up on him to prove a point. I believe the Constitution's outdated. I believe the... Get off the phone, then. You can't do that to me. Yes, I can. You can't do that to me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me repeat. If the Constitution's outdated, that protest should have been banned. Because but for the First Amendment and the freedom of association, that's in the First Amendment, right there. But for the freedom of association, in this country, perhaps in many countries, but in this country, that march could have easily been ended right there and then. In fact, before it even started. I'll be right back. Show live and national at 877-381-3811. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know the most dangerous thing to our children is a liberal, a progressive, you know what I'm saying, a leftist. They want judges on the courts who are soft on crime. Right? They keep talking about letting more and more criminals out of prison and on the streets. They claim there's systemic discrimination. They're dangerous to our children and our families. Um, They will not secure the border. So a certain percentage of foreigners coming to this country are going to be dangerous. We know that to be the case. 
because we don't know who they are. So, liberals, progressives, are dangerous to our families and our children. They don't even think that the the most horrendous spending bill in, in history, promoted by the Republicans and signed by the President, is dangerous to our children, given the debt implications. They undermine law enforcement at every turn. And then they want you to think that they're the ones looking out for the children. Looking out for the children. They're a threat to our children. In virtually every way. In terms of brain power. In terms of physical dangers and so forth. They're a threat to our children. You know, uh, I know you're dreading it. Filing those blasted income taxes. Most of us spend a lot of time hoping it'll somehow go away, but it doesn't. The taxman always comes. Something else you're probably dreading and hoping never happens, that your identity gets stolen. Look, Equifax, Aetna, FedEx, Expedia's orbits have all been breached. Top that off with Facebook's latest debacle, and it's time to face the fact that your data is out there, and so is your risk of becoming a victim. Now, I searched for the very best in identity theft protection. I was willing to look beyond what I already had, and I found it. It's my ID care. And once I found it, I said, look, this is what I need to talk about to my audience. My ID care. For less than 10 bucks a month, my ID care covers you for the nine types of identity theft. And they provide a 100%, 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. You just can't find this level of protection anywhere else, folks. Some might claim, but they don't. Stop dreading and hoping. You need to file your taxes. You need my ID care to protect you. Learn more, plus get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Myidcare.com slash mark. Or call 866-334-3084. That's 866 866- Three three four thirty eighty four. Really, now's the time to do this, folks, when you're filing your taxes. That's myidcare.com slash mark or 866-334-3084. They're there right now. Let's continue. And I've got a lot more to say about a lot more. But first, we will go to Sam Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. It was a great interview with Mike Lee last night. That, that was that was really good. Um, one of the things he said that that bothered me, I thought it bothered you too, was when he was talking. He he kind of blew off the Seventeenth Amendment in the Convention of States thing. And I went to a conservative dinner last week, and to my surprise, a person down at the other end of the table brought that up. And I support repeal of the Seventeenth Amendment. And when this person, you know spoke right out about it, I, w- I was surprised. And it seems like under the uh, rules of the proposed convention, as far as cutting back federal government power, that would be something that would be a logical thing to pursue. What do, what do you think about that? Well, I think Senator Lee is not necessarily a supporter of the Convention of States movement, or he's still studying it. 
Uh, obviously, you know, I'm out front on this, and I'm a strong supporter of it, and wrote an entire book on it. And one of my 11 reform amendments is to repeal the 17th Amendment, which basically repealed the United States Senate. Now, what I think what, what Senator Lee was saying is that would be very tough to do, given the propaganda and the media and the efforts that are underway. My attitude is, as Reagan used to say, if not now, when? The fact of the matter is the Senate really doesn't have any purpose because the, the main purpose of the United States Senate was to represent the state legislatures. It could care less what the state legislatures have to say. Now the United States Senate, uh, these senators are elected directly uh, from the people. And by the way, if the legislatures had wanted that at the time, each one you know, is free to pick their senators the way they want. So the, the senators are no more than uh, uh, overblown members of the House, if you will, in some ways. And I always find this interesting because you will have senators like Feinstein and others who claim that the Electoral College does not represent the people because, you know, the popular vote should, right? Well, then what's the point of the Senate? What is the point of having two senators from every state? That's not exactly reflective of the population of the country. And so we would wind up with some kind of weird Italian or French or British parliament, which is not what the founders and the framers had wanted. It's not what the framers put in place. So, yes, I think it's these, these issues are issues that need to be fought. And if we don't explain them to the American people over and over and over again, if we don't speak out on these issues, well, of course, we're not going to gain any support for it. Well, All right, my know, friend. When that, when that lady at the table spoke up uh, last week, it made me think there's got to be a lot of popular support out there for it because I wasn't expecting that at all. Well, I hate to tell you, just because she spoke out, most people don't even know what the 17th Amendment is. They have no idea. Most people have no idea how senators used to be selected. And that's because Republicans and conservatives do a lousy job of explaining their positions and because half or more of Republicans and conservatives don't agree with you and me. They would rather just continue to whine about what takes place in Washington, whine about the outcomes without looking at the, the uh, structural deficiencies, which really are unmoored from our founding institutions. Well, this this issue may merit uh, you doing a whole show on it. Sir, sir, I've done many shows on it, but thank you for producing the show. All right. How many more times can I talk about the 17th Amendment? Anyway, we don't take requests. Let's go to Shannon, Indianapolis, the great WFDM. Go. Hi, Mark. Um, I think yeah. it's unfortunate that the high school students that are marching in a Washington, D.C. protesting guns and the NRA are all going to be... Let's slow down. Let's slow down. Slow, up, up, up. slow down. First <laughs> of all, most of them aren't. Well, they most were. of them aren't. The very small percentage of them were. I just wanted to point that out. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it's just a scary thought, and hopefully us conservatives can keep our momentum going. But like you said earlier, if there's a high school-age kid that... Our, hold on now. You're throwing a lot of fastballs. i got to keep up with you. We're not keeping up our momentum. We just got kicked in the, in the stomach, in the gut, with this bill that the Republicans proposed and the president signed. It is a disaster in every way. Yeah. So there is no momentum. The momentum was stopped. Go ahead. Well, my comment is actually about the gun violence, school shootings, and the misuse of the HIPAA law. Um, now, HIPAA is a Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. It was um, passed in 1996. 
to keep insurance companies and healthcare providers from either profiting off of selling our information or, you know, having to protect their medical records with passwords, okay? So I think that the schools are more um, concerned with protecting the privacy of their mentally ill students because of that than they are with protecting the physical well-being of the rest of the school if they know of a situation. I'd give you an example if you want. Um, my daughter, yeah. when yeah. she was in high school just a couple of years ago, there was a boy that had an unhealthy obsession with her and ended up trying to commit suicide over it. The school knew about it. They'd expelled him five different times prior to that because of his threats that he had made against my daughter as well as other school officials. And I was never made aware of it because they said they had to protect his privacy. And when it went to court, we even tried to subpoena some of the people. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you for your call. I'm not getting involved in individual civil suits because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want this, my company to be exposed to it, the company I work for here, and I have no idea. You know, there's always two sides. So I have to be very careful about uh, – uh, I, I had no idea she was going to talk about a personal civil suit that she was involved in, so I'm sorry. By the way, Stormy Daniels. Am I the only person in America that doesn't find her attractive, Mr. Producer? I, I, I mean, I keep turning away. They keep showing her. I keep turning away. They keep showing her. I keep turning away. Stormy Daniels? The Stormy Daniels media, let me tell you what's going on here. 60 Minutes has rarely had as big a ratings as they had. This is the, what's, what word should I use? Let me see if I can pronounce it. The pornographication. There you go. The pornographication of the news. The news whoring itself. Look at these websites. They're getting a zillion hits. A zillion hits. 60 Minutes had massive ratings. They keep putting her out there with her, I'm just being honest, with her, with her huge, uh, they keep putting her out there. I can't get away from it. Now, the fact is you cannot ignore the hypocrisy of the media. You simply can't. They say, well, you know, you conservatives, it's interesting. Uh, you're very moral, but when it comes to this, you know, you give Trump a pass. Who's giving Trump a pass? Who's giving Trump a pass? Trump never gets a pass. Even when he doesn't do things, he's attacked. But there was nothing overwhelming in the 60 Minutes interview. No, I didn't watch it. But there's nothing. I'm reading these news accounts, like these breathless news accounts. Well, what did you learn? She was threatened in a parking lot. By whom? She doesn't know. Okay. What does that have to do with Trump? Well, she thinks it's Trump. Or his people. And so uh, now we got to hear that. This has been going on for how many weeks? The pornification of the media? Now, when it came to Bill Clinton, you couldn't get a media source to pay attention to the scores of women throughout his life who'd come forward. Not talking about a, a porn person, actress or uh, ex-playboy or whatever. We're talking about somebody who physically assaulted women, who exposed himself to women. The real issue with Clinton, quite frankly, people knew his past and they voted for him anyway. They knew he was a moral scum. His own wife knew it. But the issue with Bill Clinton was twofold. Number one, he lied to federal prosecutors about Lewinsky. 
There's actually three things. Number two, his sexual activity took place while he was president in the Oval Office with a subordinate. And then number three, he lied in front of a federal judge during a deposition and was held in contempt. None of this has anything to do with the accusations against Trump. None of it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not a special pleader. I'm analyzing it. I'm analyzing it. Did 60 Minutes rush to Juanita Broderick to hear her story? No. Did they rush to Kathleen Willey to hear her story? No. Did they rush to Paula Jones to hear her story? No. Did they rush to the endless number of women who Bill Clinton sexually assaulted? Of course not. Now, which one of these women, even if it's all true, which one of these women did Trump sexually assault? Which one? So again, I'm making excuses, but there are differences. And the media are completely, embarrassingly, shamefully hypocritical and completely out of control. Completely out of control. But you have to understand something, most of you in my audience. These stories are not aimed at you. These stories are not aimed at you. The media consider you hopeless. The media consider you beneath contempt because you put Trump in power. The media have nothing but contempt for you. It's not aimed at you. It's aimed to just drip, drip, drip. Other people out there who may not pay attention to politics as closely as you do, who may be on the fence with Trump at this point, just to turn enough people to turn the midterm election, to turn enough people to turn the next uh, election should Trump run, that's what it's aimed at. It's not even aimed at you. Anyway... How come 60 Minutes isn't doing a story on the sexual harassment that took place throughout the media? Whatever happened to that? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Part of an effort to put a free copy of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence in the hands of every middle school and public high school student in the nation. Students aren't being taught the Constitution, as we can see. So how can we expect them to understand and embrace what's necessary to protect freedom? Hillsdale College wants to change all that, but they need your help. Hillsdale's taking the unprecedented step of sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration to every middle and high school principal in our public school systems in America, along with an offer to provide free copies for every student. Now, Hillsdale's doing this because they believe that educating the next generation is vital to preserving liberty and, well, they love America. Learn how you can help in this historic effort, and you can, and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's pocket constitution to keep or give away by visiting levinforhillsdale.com. 
That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. To find out how to help, send pocket constitutions to public schools and to get your own free copy. That's Levin for Hillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Okay. Let's see who's out here. Any libs who don't believe in free speech? I'd be happy to hang up on you. I would. Mitch, Baltimore, Maryland, the great WCBM country. Go. Hey, Mark, it's great to talk to you. I just wanted to say uh, my memory is not that bad, but I remember a time when we passed a bill uh, too big to read before we could vote on it, and we've been fighting it, if I remember, for the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure if they labeled it a tax bill instead of a spending bill, there'd be a lot of people losing their jobs this term. And you're talking about Obamacare. Let me, oh, let, me, uh, let me tell you something about this monstrosity that was passed. Every single federal department and agency except the State Department got a massive increase. One of them got a 21% increase. Another one got a 17% increase over Obama-era spending. This raises the baseline forevermore down the road. So it's now baked in to their budgets. That's number one. Number two, you're hearing the administration and its surrogates talk about a line item veto. These people sadly think you're stupid. You're not going to get a line item veto because the court will hold it as unconstitutional because that's not what the Constitution provides. You would actually need to amend the Constitution to have a line item veto. They all know. I know it. And yet they want you to believe it. There is not going to be a line item veto without an amendment to the Constitution. And that's not going to happen, certainly not by this Congress. I'll be back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yes, turn on the mic. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, I want to do a little cleanup here. We have Barack Obama in Japan on Sunday. You want to hear what he said? This guy is really unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Hat tip, Washington free, beacon cut 10, go. After I left office, what I realized is is that uh, the Obama Foundation could uh, potentially create a platform for young up-and-coming leaders. Let's stop us at this isn't us. This is their mic system, just so you know, with the echo. Go ahead. In the United States, but all around the world, to come together, meet together, create a digital platform where they could exchange information on an ongoing basis about projects that we were, they were working on, uh, and that if I could do that effectively, then you know I would create a hundred or a thousand or a million young Barack Obamas or Michelle Obamas or you know the the, the next group of, of people who... You know, that you, you have to have an ego that has no boundaries to be talking like this. You really do. All I can say is I'm glad he's off the stage. I know he's not off completely, 
but we don't have to listen to this pablum every single day. How about we, we point out another absurdity? While all these things are going on with the pornification of the media and uh, the pom-pom boys and girls who are rooting for Stormy Daniels, there's other things going on, you know. Our ambassador to Israel <clears throat> is under a vicious smear campaign by the Palestinian regime. That would be David Friedman. And here we have, uh, by INS.org, I believe, or JNS, the Palestinian Authority demanded that U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman be added to a global terror list. A ramping up of condemnation against the American diplomat just days after PA leader Mahmoud Abbas bashed him as a son of a dog and a settler. Now keep in mind, Abbas is a terrorist. He runs a terrorist regime. He inherited the PLO. He is a, uh, a, a uh, Arafat wannabe. And he continues to fund terrorism and reward terrorists with our money. Although I want to say this, the Taylor Act passed as part of this omnibus bill, which <coughs> limits or cuts off monies to the uh, regime and pal- the Palestinian regime uh, when it uses or for using money this way. So we want to congratulate Congress for something. The Palestinian Authority Ministry of Information called for Freeman to be placed on an international terror list for violating international law, supporting terrorism, promoting ethnic cleansing and black racism, in a report titled Freeman, the Ambassador of Settlements and Lawyer of Extremism. They're not very good at this propaganda, the Palestinians, are they? The particular list the Palestinians intended was not made clear. Friedman criticized them for failing to condemn two terror attacks that killed three Israelis. And Abbas responded with a scathing attack on our ambassador. After deriding President Trump for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And saying he views the settlements as legitimate. Let me, let me tell terrorist Abbas a fact. You're never taking Israel, ever. You're never taking Jerusalem, ever. Ever, never. It's not the West Bank. Those aren't settlements. It's Judea and Samaria. They were never Palestinian. And they were never Arab. Judea, get it? And Samaria. They also claim Hebron. Hebron, like Hebrew, get it? The Palestinian name is a fabricated name. It's made up completely. These are Arabs, many of whom were Bedouins. But most of them whom originally lived in what's called Jordan today. They claim they have a right to return. For them, just like progressives in America, history began 50 years ago, 100 years ago. But the thing about the Middle East, history began thousands of years ago. It's the birthplace, effectively, of humanity. Now for the Palestinians, that is the Arabs who call themselves Palestinians because it rhymes with Palestine, 
For the Arabs who call themselves Palestinians, there must be no Jews in the Middle East and no Christians in the Middle East. Oh yes, they abuse Christians too. And in fact, they abuse each other. They kill each other. They torture each other. And do what they do. If there were no Jews in the Middle East and no Christians in the Middle East, you think there'd be peace in the Middle East? Really? Is that what took place in Iraq? Is that what's taking place in Iran? Is that what's taking place in Syria? Is that what's taking place in Yemen? No, of course not. This attack on our ambassador, David Freeman, is an attack on the United States. And it's an attack on the President of the United States. You see, the Arabs who call themselves Palestinians and the terrorist regime, the Palestinian Authority, it's a terrorist regime. Hamas is too. They just do things in their own way. Uh, They got used to uh, Obama and Kerry and their appeasement and capitulation and their trashing endlessly of Israel and Netanyahu. Now, the problem for Israel is not the Arabs who call themselves Palestinians. The problem for Israel is the same problem we have in this country in some respects. They're left-wing radical media and they're left-wing radical politicians and they're entrenched and they're entrenched senior law enforcement types who seek to take out Netanyahu. Who seek to take out Netanyahu. They're equivalent of Winston Churchill. Iran is building for war And unfortunately, and I say this, and I hope I'm wrong, but I fear I'm not, there's going to be a war. And yet the left in Israel undermines their prime minister, as the left in this country undermines our president. Over cigars and champagne. From friends. He's been under investigation virtually every year he's been prime minister, and he's been prime minister four different times for about 12 years, the second longest-serving prime minister in the aggregate ever, Ben-Gurion being the longest 13 years, the first. So if Israel is going to harm, is going to be harmed, it'll be harmed from within, same with America. It'll be harmed from within. It's a, it's a crying shame. So they trash our ambassador because they trash our country. And they trash our country as they trash our president. And the left in our country is busy chasing a porno star. I don't even know if she's a star. I'm no expert on porno and who the stars are and who the stars aren't. But I have to say, since she's out there all the time, she doesn't look like a star to me, but that's just me. That's just me. And uh, anyway, that's about that. One other thing I wanted to mention, there's an excellent piece, excellent piece, in the American Spectator by George Parry on this Andrew McCabe, for whom many have cried crocodile tears. Even some Republicans came to his defense. Oh, poor guy, uh, his pension. And uh, he writes compellingly, about Robin Gritz. 
and that Mr. McCabe is no gentleman. Mr. McCabe is no gentleman. You know what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this after the, uh, after the break. In fact, I think I will. It's that important. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The American Spectator, The Real Andrew McCabe, by George Perry. In April 2015, National Public Radio reporter in the case of former FBI Special Agent Robin Gritz, who'd been forced out of the Bureau after she got crosswise with her supervisors. Quote, when you're fighting terror and you're seeing buildings come down before you, you're passionate and you're emotional, and I think the American people want you to be that way. When you're fighting terror and keeping them safe, she said. For 15 years, she devoted her life to investigating the 9-11 al-Qaeda attack on the Pentagon, helping to rescue Western hostages and tracking down global terrorists. She was detailed to the CIA and worked closely with the Defense Intelligence Agency, which was led by General Michael Flynn. That's important. Keep that in mind. Throughout this time, her FBI bosses gave her excellent or outstanding performance reviews. But in 2012, her career hit a brick wall when she began working for Special Agent Andrew McCabe and his leadership team. It was then that she received her first negative performance rating and was subsequently forced to resign from the FBI. A year later, 2013, she filed an Equal Employment Opportunity Commission complaint against her FBI supervisors alleging sexual discrimination and hostile work environment. In 2014, she amended her complaint by averring that she suffered a hostile work environment, defamation of character, through continued targeting by Andrew McCabe. Isn't it funny how this doesn't come out, folks? I wouldn't know about this, but for the American spectator. The FBI's response claimed that she'd become underperforming, tardy to work, insubordinate, possibly mentally ill, quote-unquote. So how was Ms. Gritz going to survive that kind of attack by the world's greatest law enforcement agency? Enter General Michael Flynn. Remember, he had worked with her. In May 2014, Flynn provided a letter on Pentagon stationery, <coughs> which stated that Gritz was well-known, liked, and respected in military counterterrorism community, for energy, commitment, and professional capacity. I'm, I'm quoting now. And over the years, worked in several interagency groups on counterterrorism targeting initiatives. He added, quote, her work consistently produced outstanding results in the most challenging environments. In 2015, Flynn publicly supported Gritz in an NPR broadcast in which he questioned why Gritz had been driven out of the FBI, citing her years of valuable national security experience. He praised her as one of the bright lights and shining stars in the intelligence community. He added that she just kind of got it when it came to the kind of enemy that we are facing and the relationship that was necessary between law enforcement and the military. And I just thought she was really a real pro, quote-unquote. Subsequently, Ms. Gritz's lawyer notified the EEOC that Flynn and other top officials would be witnesses on her behalf. The FBI's predict. <laughs> Excuse me, the FBI's predictably futile and laughable effort to preclude such testimony was unsuccessful. And McCabe was required to submit an opposing sworn statement to EEOC investigators. 
you see how McCabe has a and had a growing contempt for General Flynn? Did you know about this? This was not McCabe's only unforced error. Two weeks after Gritz filed her EEO complaint, McCabe had her investigated by the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility for time card irregularities. Now that is precious. So the OPR that's been trashed was asked by McCabe to investigate Ms. Gritz, who he forced out. This inspired move constituted yet another illegal retaliatory act and pure gold for Gritz's case. For someone with a law degree, Mr. McCabe had made a complete fool of himself. Now, as these events unfolded, McCabe became deputy director of the FBI in that capacity. He was a central figure in the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. And it was then, according to reports, that he saw his chance to get back at General Flynn. Citing three anonymous FBI employees who themselves fear retaliation, Circa.com reports McCabe expressed such intense dislike for Flynn that these employees became uncomfortable as the Russia probe, I'm quoting, began to unfold and pressure built to investigate Flynn. One employee was so concerned that he consulted private legal counsel for guidance. Despite his underlings concern, McCabe's plan of retaliation against Flynn proceeded apace. You hear me, Marco? According to Joseph DeGeneva, the newest member, well, he's not a member of the Trump legal team, in any event, McCabe set up Flynn for the interview that led to the general's indictment for lying to the FBI. In an article in the February 2018 edition of Hillsdale Colleges and Primus magazine, DeGeneva lays out a sordid summary of the Comey FBI's fake investigation of Hillary Clinton's unsecure private email server. Since the moment of truth, the case against Flynn has hit a few rough patches. And he goes on. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, you see how contemptible and devilish and evil individuals can be with all this power and in shadows trying to get even. It's like the old Politburo or the, uh, or the Gotti mob family where they put out hits on each other. And I'm not talking about, you know, assassinations. I'm talking about political and criminal hits. And it's just incredible what they did to General Flynn. This is why I've not been one of those who's been prepared to throw General Flynn over the, over the edge. I'm not going to do it. I believe he was set up. I believe Sessions was set up to recuse himself, very much so. All this unmasking, we've never gotten to the bottom of it. The top levels of the FBI totally gone rogue. Mr. Mueller, who's giving cover to all of this with his threats as a prosecutor and so forth. So we have Mr. Flynn. I'll bet General Flynn could never have imagined that simply because he was early on a supporter of Trump He's in this situation. I'll bet Manafort could never have imagined that simply because he was campaign chairman to Trump for a period of time that he faces as the absolutely repulsive federal judge in Alexandria said he could face life in prison. That judge needs to step down. 
I'm sure most of these people who are caught up in this never, ever imagined that they'd be caught up in this. But now you know more about the General Flynn situation and Mr. McCabe. Hey, uh, hey, Mr. McCabe, you can get a job like everybody else in the private sector. You can start on the bottom rung of the ladder. My guess, uh, you can handle the French fries at McDonald's. Just make sure you wash your hands. I'll be right back. Only constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877-381-3811. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? Well, Zipri grew knew, knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your, your job. Now, these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire, and ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates, you know, they're out there. ZipRecruiter is, is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners, you, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, absolutely free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. One more time, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Let's have a little fun, shall we? I'm telling you, this Sunday show is just a ton of fun. And a friend of mine wrote me, and my friend said, what I like is you ask them a question, and then we get to see where they take the question. And it's true. Because... A lot of guests, <coughs> excuse me, are surprised to learn that they actually get to speak uninterrupted for a period of time. So you may not know what they're going to say. They may say something incredibly brilliant. Let's check it out. Mike Lee last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Cut 11, go. When you stand on the Senate floor and you hear your colleagues debating gun control, debating certain types of guns, uh, many of them debate guns. They don't know much about guns. But they talk about it like it's some kind of a pork bill. We're talking about the Bill of Rights. We're talking about the Second Amendment. Do you stand there and look at them and say to them in your own mind, do you even understand that this is a constitutional right? It's not something which you can treat like a piece of bologna, you know, where you're just cutting it up. What goes through your mind? The first thing that goes through my mind is the fact that what triggers some of these conversations is the commission of a crime, a, a heinous act, one that usually involves the violation, uh, the simultaneous violation of dozens of laws. And in that circumstance, the, the impulse that says somebody's violated dozens of laws, we must therefore pass another law, 
doesn't itself instinctively uh, make me want to join that effort. You add to that the fact that it's a constitutionally protected right that we might be being asked to infringe, and also the fact that you've got the rights of the law-abiding and and what a given law might do to interfere with the day-to-day lives of law-abiding American citizens as compared to what it might do to deter or prevent or protect us against violent criminal activity. And it makes for a much more nuanced conversation than many people want to have. But I think it's important for us to have that conversation rather than just instinctively giving in to the impulse to create yet another law. Senator Lee, what about the sanctuary cities? Cut 12, go. The sanctuary city idea, nullification, these are words that were used during the Confederacy, nullification, secession. Do you find it odd that the left talking about these sort of things, particularly in California, a very blue state, where we have multiple uh, sanctuary cities. In fact, the governor has announced that the whole state is a sanctuary state, and there are these various secession movements going on in that state. Do you find it odd that now the left is using the language of the Confederacy? Yes, I find it odd. I find it deeply troubling. I find it contrary to the Constitution, to everything that the left has professed in the past to hold near and dear. As much as anything, though, I I find it to be a remarkable moment, a teachable moment, to paraphrase Barack Obama, Uh, a moment when we can say, uh, okay, let's let's talk about what is appropriate for the federal government. Let's talk about whether everything needs to be at the federal level. Now, in this case, it does. In the case of laws governing immigration and naturalization, those are federal issues. The Constitution says so. But we can use this as a pivot point to say, let's let's talk about whether there are, in fact, dangers associated with allowing ex- excessive power to accumulate in the hands of the few or, or too much power uh, to be pushed to Washington, D.C. That's really what they're saying. And so, in a sense, maybe they're making an argument for federalism. They don't realize it. They're misguided. They're reaching the wrong conclusion here. But ultimately, they're they're trying in their own way to make an argument for federalism are they doing that or are they just saying uh we'll take whatever road we need to take to get what we want i think it's more that i I think there are some people on the left who genuinely sincerely are concerned about the accumulation of power within the federal government now maybe they're misguided in doing that maybe they're just trying to stand up for the administrative state i don't know but i assume at least some of them are open to the idea perhaps now more than they have at any time in recent memory, uh, to the idea that maybe we shouldn't put this much power in Washington. Maybe we shouldn't have all of our eggs or this many of our eggs in Washington's basket. They ought to be open to that more now than they ever have been in the past. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they will be for the reasons I said. I think it's the end justifies the means. But that said, how thoughtful Senator Lee is. Doesn't sound like your typical senator, does he? What about judicial tyranny, Senator Lee? Cut 13, please. But I look at some of these federal judges on the West Coast, Maryland, and so forth, early on in the Trump administration, making outrageous decisions that clearly violated the precedent set forth by the Supreme Court. And we're always told Supreme Court precedent. Well, of course, the Constitution trumps that. But in this case, they were both one and the same, in my view. 
And they made it clear in Justice Kennedy's opinion and so forth that the president has enormous power when it comes to enforcing federal immigration laws. And yet mayors and city councils usurping the president's authority, certain federal district judges upholding that. Is there a level, my words, not yours, of judicial tyranny that has taken place in this country, particularly in the last many decades with the rise of big central government? There's certainly been an abuse of judicial power. And that's a, a problem. Anytime that abuse occurs, it needs to be uh, weeded out. It needs to be addressed. Fortunately, we have a, a good court system. While it's by no means perfect, uh, we have the opportunity to appeal. The, the bad news, though, is that in many cases, it takes a long time to appeal something and to get a bad ruling overturned. In other cases, uh, the nature of the dispute has changed entirely by the time that process has the ability to work itself through. So it's a little bit like saying that the possession is nine-tenths of the law. Mm -hmm. In many circumstances, if a federal district judge issues a bad ruling, it can cost a, a, a lot in terms of what's given up, right. what's surrendered, uh, between the time that decision is issued and the time that the erroneous decision can be corrected on appeal. Let's go to one more, one final. And I've been asking this question of most of the guests because they're really wonderful people, extremely thoughtful and accomplished people. And I asked Senator Lee the following question, cut 15, go. Where do you see the country in 20 years? I see the country as being a place where there's a greater embrace for liberty. I, I think the American people are basically good. Uh, we as a people strive to live free. We like freedom not just because we like the way it sounds when we say it, but we like the things that free people do when they're allowed to be free. And that's the beauty of the Constitution. You don't think we're headed towards a greater and greater centralization, even if we want to be free, it becomes more difficult to be free? I think it does become more difficult to, to be free if we seek to yearn for liberty. But because we have this uh, in our history, because we have it in our Constitution, it is already the law. It, it is natural for us to return to that which has succeeded, with that which has allowed us to prosper in the past. The, the reason we have become the, the strongest economy the world has ever known has a whole lot to do with the fact that we've been good at recognizing the limits on government power and the value of limiting the power of government to dictate how you live your life. I think that's where we will default. I think that's where we will end up e even after we've explored every other alternative. It's what Winston Churchill said about the American people. They'll always do the right thing after they've exhausted every other alternative. It's what makes us different. He's really good. He's very good. Now, we're going to continue to have a really top folks on, Ed Meese, former Attorney General under Ronald Reagan, for Easter Sunday. Some others that may surprise you. Uh, we're also seeking to have some prominent liberals on the program, if they'll accept. And you'll see I give people time to answer. And so they can answer in short answers or longer answers. But um, what I'm interested in you hearing is from accomplished people or up and rising people. We're going to have another program. We, I think way ahead on these guests and so forth. We're going to have two very young, prominent men on uh, millennials, if you will, even though I hate that word. We're going to discuss the future of the country, the future of conservatism, liberty, this March that you saw and so forth and so on. It's just a nice change of pace for a Sunday night. I think 
Uh, but I also think it's important. That's why we're doing it. And to me, it is very consistent with our mission over at Conservative Review TV, in particular my show, Levin TV, where, again, <clears throat> in that case, there are no commercials, and we rely on you folks if you want to participate. Uh, and I address issues, again, more fully, more substantively, uh, than you'll find on more, most TV shows. And I think that is the way you win the minds and the hearts of people. That is the way you persuade people to our ideas, which are by far better ideas than the ideas they have on the left. And so we're pursuing that with conservativereviewtv.com on Levin TV, and we're pursuing it, I think, on our slot on Sunday night on the Fox News Channel. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. talk to you about our good friends over at filterby.com. Now, when was the last time you checked your HVAC filter? You might not think it's a big deal, but it's a very big deal. Where do you think the air goes, if not in your filter? That's right, your lungs, directly to your lungs. And if your filter's dirty, well, it goes through the dirty filter into your lungs. And you can really risk ruining your entire HVAC system on top of that. So now you, you're breathing dirty air, and you have an empty wallet. FilterBuy is who I personally trust for my HVAC filters. You can breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped for free within 24 hours, plus they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. And right now you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery so you never need to think about air filters again. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. I cannot stress enough. It's a wonderful product. They deliver right to your house within 24 hours. You've got all these options to choose. And I strongly encourage you, you ought to do the auto delivery. It just shows up on a given schedule, and you know to pull out the old filters and put in the new filters. It's that simple, and you'll get a 5% cut as well. So that's filterby.com, filterbuy.com. All right. If I can pull up my call screen, we'll be in business here. Okay. Let's see. All right, <clears throat> let's go. Charles, Pensacola, Florida, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to share something with you. I think education is the key. You mentioned Hillsdale College, and that kind of prompted me to call. I uh, just retired from the military, and before I retired, I wanted to complete my degree. I got that in criminal justice in 2016, and the school had a uh, study abroad. It was basically a week-long boondoggle in London. Go over, see the sites, go to Old Bailey, go to Inns of Court. Uh, and we had an afternoon tea, and this is 40 college students sitting in a room with a uh, retired inspector, senior inspector from the London Metropolitan Police that, that spoke of accessions and how to become a cop and base policing in, in London. Now, 
at some point open it up for questions and answers. And one of the girls got to get to the point quick. Go ahead. The girls made a comment about guns and she was disparaging in her, in her point about guns. How does London look at, you know, America with all its guns? And he was very uh, uh, diplomatic in his response. He said, you know, I've been all over and I understand it's tradition, but I don't understand why someone needs 30 rounds to hunt deer. And I spoke up from the back. And of course, I'm an older gentleman. I spoke up. I said, you don't understand the Constitution. And, you know, these are all criminal justice students as well having these opinions. I said, King George went after the guns at Lexington and Concord. It is one of the things that started the revolution. That is number two, because it's to defend a government or a people with a government by the people for the people. When that government overreaches, the people can take it back. And he kind of paused and he said, you know, I'd never heard that. And the point was made. But I think education is the key, and we've lost that in these pirate institutions. You're right. First of all, thanks for your service and great call. I just want to get in more people. Very good, Charles. Thank you. Let us go to AJ in Illinois on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead. Mark, I called in early in the show when you were talking uh, about the uh, anti-Second Amendment demonstrations over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for, for, for calling that out for what it is, disgusting, shameful, ignorant, raw politics, and good for you for doing that. The thing I wanted to point out was, uh, you know, when they, uh, the anti-smoking uh, forces, uh, the way they use the children to battle the uh, lobby, uh, the cigarette lobby, it was very, very effective. We've got to keep a very close eye on this. By the way, uh, where did all that money go? Pardon me? Where did all the tobacco money go? It's all gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was put to good use. Did they cure anything? Right, right. All right, AJ. Thank you, sir. Mike, Sunshine, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Oh, thanks, uh, Mark, for taking my call. I wanted to talk about uh, this weekend's uh, Second Amendment event as well. You know, three men have been uh, debating the balance between uh, uh, liberty and security, freedom and safety for generations. And, you know, uh, that's what this discussion is about. And, you know, Mr. Hogg, or David Hogg, I, I shouldn't call him Mr. He's somewhere between a boy and a man. He, um, God bless him, I feel sorry for him. He lost friends on Valentine's Day. But that does not give him the requisite experience or knowledge or wisdom to be currently part of this policy debate. And I hope in 40 years he looks back, realizes that he was used. Thanks. No, he won't. He's going to run for office. And I'll tell you something else. The language that he uses and the way he talks about Marco Rubio, after you experience something like you you do in the in, you did in that school, is really um, shameful. To pick these targets to go after Rubio, uh, to use foul language, to go after the NRA, and next on his agenda he says is voting. Uh, that is uh, these efforts by the states to clean up their voting rolls and so forth. Well. He's going to go after that. He's going down your typical left-wing kook list of things, and uh, he's been horribly used. But he loves the TV camera. He loves it. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Please check out Levin TV tonight. It's going to be a great program. How do I know? Because I'm Levin. That's how I know. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless and be well. Be well.